It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah! What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 734 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, June the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Lockdown Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the entirety of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got lots of great stuff for you. Sports are slowly ramping up to a tenuous return. We'll see if the virus allows them to actually happen. But for the meantime, we are acting as those sports are coming back. So please subscribe to the local team show for any of the big four sports that you like and uh, and all the teams that you want to have covered every single day by our lovely local experts. If you're a hockey fan, lots of great reaction to the insane NHL draft lottery from Friday. Highly recommend that. Go listen to some of the shows of the teams that got screwed over, like the Red Wings or the Senators or something like that uh it's always fun when chaos takes place in the nhl so go check out those shows uh all right on today's show i am joined by our pal vivek jacob as we uh have some news tangible actual news and we know exactly when the toronto raptors hypothetically will be playing assuming the state of florida doesn't uh get consumed and become one with the virus itself between now and the end of july and uh joining me to talk about the schedule is big b vivek jacob what's up buddy Nothing much. Um, have a good weekend. Spend some time with the family. And that's yeah, that's always good. And finished season four of Better Call Saul. I've heard that's also good. Yeah, it's a great show. Um, yeah, want to get it all out the way before the season starts again. If, if it <laughs> start. um, and so, yeah, good weekend. Uh, yeah. Sun's out. Can't complain about that. So are yeah, your gu- are your guns out also with the sun? <laughs> not quite, man. Not quite. No, no gym access means uh, the guns aren't quite where they need to be. Oh, the old noodle arms. Gotta love it. Uh, <laughs> as a fellow noodle armor myself, I, uh, I endorse the lifestyle. It's pretty good. Uh, you don't get you know asked to carry heavy things. People look at you and you're like, yeah, you, you can't do that. It's, it's lovely. It's a beautiful way to live. Uh, <laughs> Uh, on today's show, we are, of course, going to dive into the NBA schedule getting released and the Raptors schedule in particular and what it all means uh, as the Raptors look to secure the two seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I'm, before we get into any of this, are you finding yourself just completely just like flabbergasted at the idea of like having to break down actual basketball again? I'm finding myself forgetting almost how to do it. It's been so long. <laughs> like it's just been, <laughs> I'm so wired to just think about the virus and think about um, you know, safety protocols that I just, I really have no concept of uh, how basketball works anymore. Are, are you feeling the same? And I mean, I feel like even when it comes back, it's going to be so present, right? The fact yeah. that there won't be any fans, the fact that uh, players will likely be wearing uh, some type of message on the back of their jerseys. 
Um, basketball will be secondary to all of that uh, as it should be. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that part of it is going to be weird, right? Like there's going to be all these messages being sent out and um, such a clear, distinct me- message that basketball doesn't matter right now. Mm-hmm. But yet we're going to have to write off it and we're going to have to talk about it. And so, yeah, it is going to definitely be weird. Yeah, I'm not really looking forward to uh, sort of having to do any sort of negative analysis. Not that I'm a terribly negative person when, you know, talking about the Raptors. The Raptors tend to give you very few reasons to be negative. But, like, having any sort of negative analysis about anyone who is, A, there playing in the bubble because they want to be there and, like, they're kind of being forced to by the NBA, whatever it is. Like, I don't, I don't want to, you know, be like, oh, look at this, look at that terrible defensive rotation for a guy who's, like, literally maybe risking his life to be playing basketball at the moment. Um, and also, like, yeah, all of the messages that are apparently going to be on the back of jerseys, uh, those are far more important than whether or not a guy is, uh, you know, good on that given day at his specific role on a basketball court. So, yeah, it is going to feel pretty trivial, I think. Um, I'm hoping that the trivial nature of it all kind of, you know, we get more back into that in future years. And I'm sure we will in like the 2021 season, whatever it is. But uh, I think for this year in particular, it's, it's going to be good to, I think, maybe be thinking about other things than, you know, what's taking place on the court. And, and like the court can, the on-court stuff can kind of be a bit of a side show to um, the more important things that hopefully the league is going to make a priority. Although I, I still am somewhat skeptical of the ability to, you know, turn it into a full-on, you know, symbol of protest. You know, the stuff on the jerseys is nice. I, I hope players use it for good. I, I know Spencer Dinwiddie is out here today saying he's going to put trillion on it because of the the national debt apparently is his biggest concern about the country right now, which is uh, interesting. Uh, and so <laughs> if we have a bunch of Darren Ravel ass uh, messages on the back of names, I'm not sure how much it's going to resonate, but I'm sure others will have more uh, thoughtful, proactive, um, you know, different messages they put on their jerseys. I'm, I'm still unsure how that's going to work out. And I'm unsure if that's going to feel more symbolic than it is significant or, or, you know, like sea changing, but we'll see, I suppose. In terms of the actual on court stuff that will begin for the Toronto Raptors on August the 1st, I believe the first game on the schedule in my, or in Orlando was supposed to go on the 30th or the 31st Raptors get a couple days to chill before they get to play against the Los Angeles Lakers who will be playing their second game against the, uh, after playing their first game against the Clippers a couple days prior. So it's Raptors Lakers to get things going for Toronto. The rest of the schedule is as follows August 3rd against Miami, August 5th against Orlando, August 7th against Boston, August 9th against Memphis, the 10th against Milwaukee, the 12th against Philadelphia, and they close out the season on the 14th against the Denver Nuggets. Just one back-to-back in there, the 9th and 10th against Memphis and Milwaukee. Um, Vivek, do you have any sort of overarching takeaways from the Raptors' schedule in particular? I mean, it's hard to have takes on a schedule in a normal year when, when it comes out. I know people try to make like a cottage industry of that. Um, this it's a little bit more easy to have opinions on, I think. I mean, it's a really tough schedule. I think it's number two per Jacob Goldstein's uh, strength of schedule, uh, right behind the Miami Heat, I believe. And so the Raptors are in tough, but every team is in tough because it's all good teams there pretty much, uh, plus the Suns and Wizards. <laughs> Everyone else is pretty solid. There's no Knicks or Hawks or any other crap teams to beat up on and get, get gain wins from. Uh, I'm curious, Vivek, any sort of overarching thoughts of the Toronto Raptors' uh, quite difficult Orlando schedule? 
Yeah, it's difficult, but there's clearly no scheming by the NBA against the Raptors here. No. Right? I don't think anyone can make that argument. If you look at the Raptors' schedule, you know, in the 82 games, what their upcoming sort of eight games was, excluding the eight teams that are out, um, in terms of that strength of schedule, it's pretty much the same. Uh, so I don't know if what I just said makes sense, but uh, I think the schedule will bode well for their playoff preparation because ideally I think you do want to go up against the best teams after all this time off uh, and sort of fine tune as much as possible going into the first round. And so uh, I like it from that standpoint. I do think they will relish the chance to go up against elite competition. And even when they're not going up against elite competition, you know, you're going up against Orlando and Memphis, two teams that are, trying to hang on to their playoff spot. So those teams will be tough as well. They, they, they'll definitely play with a high level of intensity. Uh, and so um, I think Nick Nurse has already said that, uh, you know, he's going to sort of try and manage injury risk as much as he can and give opportunities to uh, guys at the end of the bench because he has to prepare for a worst case scenario where someone's not, available because they've contracted the virus or uh, whatever reason it may be. And so uh, I think he's going to be smart about that as well and make sure he knows who, who he can trust and who he can't in a playoff setting. And especially in this type of playoff setting where, mm -hmm. you know, it, things might be a bit different. We, we don't know how players are going to respond to not having fans in the arena and not sort of having that extra juice. Um, and so, yeah, in this environment, uh, I think there might be a little bit different uh, thing, a few different things to look out for. And I think Nick Nurse is the type of coach who will make sure he finds the best way to work it all together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have no doubt that Nick Nurse has been spending the last four months getting real kooky in his lab. <laughs> I can't wait to see it all come together. We're going to continue talking about the schedule uh, and kind of how it relates to the race for the two seed as well through the lens of the Boston Celtics and their schedule in just a sec. But first, I want to remind people that the Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000. To make your own donation along with us, please visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. And on that note, uh, we did make note at the end of May that we would be donating the entire uh, amount of money made by the podcast in the month of June to uh, Black Lives Matter, the Toronto chapter. And we'll be doing that uh, this week and in the form of a $253 donation. So uh, very much uh, happy to support there and we will continue to do so. I'm going to set up a monthly donation as well. I believe to the Canadian Association of Black Journalists as the uh, charity that hopefully a little bit more specific, more tied to uh, this industry that sort of we're within as well. Um, so that will be the case going forward for the Lockdown Raptors podcast and the Lockdown Podcast Network is doing the big stuff as well at LockdownPodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Uh, also, I want to tell people today about Blinkist, which is one of today's sponsors and it is one of the ultimate life hacks it's your secret weapon for getting learning new things and getting ahead it's really hard to find time to sit down and read and learn more whether you're at home whether you're on the go whether you're working there's just never time anywhere it seems to read and get up-to-date information on things that you should know about Blinkist is really easy though and it works in your phone your tablet or your web browser and it's a great way to get the best key takeaways that need to know info from thousands of nonfiction books and condensing it
it down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. It is super super important to read it's, it get you get lots of information that way as it turns out and successful people are often known for how many books they read Blinkist is made for busy people like you who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that info right away and it also has an audio feature where you can listen to it on the go to make it even easier to get that information downloaded into your brain 12 million people are using Blinkist right now and it has a massive and growing library from self-help business health and history all the way to the best sellers and the classic nonfiction titles that you always meant to read but you never had time to. Right now is super important as a time for society as we try to bring about positive social change. And part of what you can do is on your own. And that's by reading and learning the literature of all of the things that are going on right now, the history of mass incarceration, the history of social injustice and, and systemic racism dating all the way back hundreds and hundreds of years. And if you want to get educated on that stuff, Blinkist can help you. If you don't have the time to sit down and read full books, Blinkist is a great route. They have books like Me and White Supremacy by Leila Saad and The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Highly recommend both of those. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer for our audience too. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it for free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you're going to save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Vivek, so let's uh, dive further into sort of the, the, the race that is going to be at play here for the Raptors as they get things started. To refresh, the Raptors are three games up right now on the Boston Celtics. The Celtics uh, sit in the three seed. They're two and a half up on the Miami Heat, who, of course, have the most difficult schedule, as alluded to in the first segment. And the Raptors do not currently have the tiebreaker in hand on Boston. They do have one game against Boston, though. That will be extremely important for tiebreaker purposes. Um, Vivek, I, I'm just sort of looking at the two team schedules. Let me pull up the Celtics here. The Raptors, we talked about how difficult it is. Boston, they play Milwaukee, Portland, Miami, Brooklyn, Toronto, Orlando, Memphis, Washington. It is the second easiest schedule by strength of schedule, or sorry, third, third easiest ahead of only the Sixers and the Pelicans. Uh, I, I think the initial response here for people is you know, okay, the, the two C becomes a little bit more dicey now for the Raptors. Do you believe that? Are you a little bit more worried about the Raptors hanging on to the two C? Doesn't even matter if they hang on to the two C with no actual home court advantage to protect. Um, no, the, the two, I, I think the two C definitely matters just because of the matchups. And so if you can get, you know, or, Orlando or Brooklyn uh, and, you know, through some miracle, maybe Washington instead of, going up against a Philly or an Indiana, I think you definitely want that even without a sort of home court in the picture. But uh, I do think they're pretty safe. I, I think unless they really, really struggled, I, I don't think the Celtics can catch them. I mean, realistically, even if, even if the Celtics went, what, seven and one, the Raptors would have to go five and three. Mm-hmm. Four and I, four, right? 
Or I guess it depends on the tiebreaker game. Yeah. So if the, if the Celtics won the Toronto game uh, mm-hmm. in that seven and one, I think they'd still need to just be five and three, right? Which isn't which isn't crazy. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I think the Raptors are pretty safe. I'm not I'm not too concerned about the two seed, and I feel like the two seed will be a big advantage going into it because again, when you think about building up. In, after all this time off, I think the eight games and then having a first round against an easier opponent, uh, relatively speaking, compared to, say, a Philly or an Indiana, um, and then I do think that uh, that is something that needs to stay in focus. But, yeah, I, I think they'll be able to manage both. I don't think it's going to be too much of a concern. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty uh, content in sort of believing the Raptors have a pretty good grasp on the two seed as well um you know i'm less concerned about them holding on to it just because uh with the sixers also having a super easy schedule here the second easiest ahead of the pelicans um it sounds it seems as though the sixers probably have the inside track on the five seed so if it's like a three six toronto indiana matchup i I fear that a lot less than i do a toronto philly matchup uh, for, for number one um, but also I think, like you said, there has to be such a great swing over the course of eight games for the Raptors to lose that. And yes, the Raptors strength of schedule is more difficult based on the teams they're playing. But I also think it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, we're not sure what these teams are going to be playing for at the time the Raptors end up playing them yet. Their first game is against the Lakers, but the Lakers are five and a half games up on the Clippers for the number one seed in the Western conference, which is a very important seed because I think there's a pretty clear drop off as good as the Grizzlies are. There's a drop off between seven and eight. So you want that one seed, the Lakers, I don't think you have to worry about that. They're, they're going to, I think probably, you know, take this easy. I feel like we'll probably see like a, a very sort of, even keel chill LeBron who's not out for blood until later in the eight games and then into the postseason. And this is probably going to be more of a ramping up process as they figure out how to, you know, make things work without Avery Bradley and whatnot. And, you know, you also have Milwaukee in your sixth game. There's no way Milwaukee is going to be really that compelled to try hard by then. I would think considering they are like, I think a one game away from clinching the one seed anyway. And so it's not like the Raptors are going to be on their heels nipping at a, at a one seed in that sixth game. I would imagine Milwaukee probably takes it easy. Uh, we don't know what Philly and Denver are going to look like or what the seeding is going to shake out as, so it's probably best to not predict. But, you know, those two games against L.A. and Milwaukee, which really stand as the two games that bring up the strength of schedule so much, they might not actually be that difficult if those teams aren't playing terribly hard. Uh, and the Raptors might not be trying terribly hard in those games either. But then you go to the Boston side of things and, you know, yeah, they played Toronto and Milwaukee, but a lot of their games, I think five of their games here are against teams that are fighting to get into a play-in or hold on to their eighth seed. You got Portland, you got Brooklyn, Orlando, Memphis, and Washington. Maybe Washington's out of it by that end date there, but, you know, they might also still be directly in it and, you know, maybe just trying to trace chase down that eight seed or something like that. Um, Memphis will still likely be hanging on to that eight seed as you got those four teams that are up against them. Like Boston's going to be playing teams. I think that by and large have far more incentive to try hard than the ones that the Raptors are going to play. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, when these sort of strength of schedule stuff is put out, these are the 22 best teams in the league. So yeah, even the easiest schedule, like it's still a tough game. Um, so I, I don't think there's, you know, unless you, you're playing say a Phoenix or Washington on the back end of the schedule where they're already out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really don't think there's an easy game 
in the schedule. So even when we say easier, it's all relative, right? Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think Boston, you know, it's going to be tough. And again, even just by virtue of coming back from this long layoff, I, I'd be shocked if anyone went 8-0. and You know what I mean? I'd be, yeah. I'd be really surprised if anyone went 7-1. and mm-hmm. So that that's where again you know even if the Celtics go 6 and 2 again the equation becomes easier for the Raptors so um yeah i i, I really don't think uh, anyone's going to be cruising over these final eight games like they might they might play that way mm-hmm. uh and just to you know ease their bodies back in but uh, i don't i don't think anyone is just going to be rolling over their opponents yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like the pandemic and the layoff is kind of the great equalizer, right? I think if you're sort of viewing things through the lens of your own team, you can kind of get bogged down in, oh, this might not work out super well. Oh, the Raptors are kind of old. They might need some time to ramp up here. And, you know, they need to be careful with Kyle and, and Marcus All. But like every team's going through this. Every team has their own little weird questions about what this restart's going to look like. And, you know, it's as unpredictable for each team, you know, what, what things are going to look like. So I think. With that in mind, I wouldn't be surprised, like you said, if we see most at, like records in between, you know, somewhere between five and three and three and five. And it's just kind of a yeah. big morass that doesn't really ultimately do much to change the standings altogether. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe you see like uh, like a New Orleans against the easiest schedule or something like that sort of rattle off some wins and make things interesting for the eighth seed. But um, I think for the most part, it's going to be kind of just like slight deck shuffling, especially in the Western Conference. We have all those teams bunched up. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see how the East plays out. But, like, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Raptors are going to hang on to the two seed. You know, even if, like you said, they could go two and six, Boston would still have to go five and three um, just, to, just to beat them there. And I don't see the Raptors going two and six here. You know, I mean, they could. I mean, it's eight games. It's a small-ass sample. They could easily do that, I suppose. But it feels pretty unlikely that anyone's going to be particularly bad or good in this construct. We are going to continue our chat and finish off this schedule talk in just a second. But first, I want to tell people about Built Bar, which is the best tasting candy bar, not candy bar, protein bar that tastes like a candy bar there is. There's 16 amazing flavors. You've got chocolate and nut-free flavors. You've got chocolate and nut flavors. You've got bars covered in 100% dark chocolate. They're delicious. They're also soft and they're easy to chew, kind of like a Mars bar. They're not all gritty and sandy and weird like a lot of other protein bars. They're also great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat bars are low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber all told built bars have seven times less sugar than cliff bars that is crazy you're gonna get flavors like peanut butter brownie which is wonderful which is 20 grams of protein 170 calories three grams of sugar and three grams of net carbs there's also mint brownie toffee almond whole bunch of fruity flavors there's just an endless array of flavors to dance on your palate if you fire up a built bar you can get the variety box you can get a single flavor i would recommend the variety box and you figure out which one you like and get a single flavor of that go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on you're gonna get 10 bucks off your first order use the promo code locked on for ten dollars off at builtbar.com and they do deliver to canada the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
All right, Big V, any uh, lingering thoughts on the schedule, the Raptors, where they fit in here, their ramping up process? Nick Nurse uh, and Masai Ujiri both spoke today, uh, both kind of echoing sentiments that they're feeling pretty safe at Florida Gulf Coast down in Fort Myers and that they have a pretty, I guess, rigid system set up, even as the entire state seems to, uh, you know, laugh in the face of the mere existence of a virus. The Raptors seem to be taking it quite seriously and seem to be doing all right. Um, do you have any sort of lingering thoughts on, on this stuff? It, it feels much different this week than it did last week as, you know, as much as I still disagree with the idea of returning, having a schedule to actually sort of analyze and talk about, and just like these full on days of basketball sitting in front of you are, uh, you know, it's kind of getting the juices flowing a little bit. What are your sort of, uh, latent thoughts on, uh, anything schedule, the, the Raptors, what they're doing down in Florida Gulf coast, anything. Uh, so you know, I, I think I'm feeling more and more comfortable. One of the things I have been thinking about, like with the bubble, with, with, with the Raptors in Florida now, and uh, Masai saying that the hotel was pretty much exclusively open for them and everyone in there is wearing masks. Uh, you know, the numbers in Florida are not reflective of how the NBA will be behaving within the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. So... Uh, how those numbers play out, we don't know yet. And so I think that has eased my concerns. The other thing, you know, I, I thought Zach Lowe made a really good point uh, on the Howard Beck uh, podcast, the full 48. And he was saying that, you know, initially we, I think we all assumed that the NBA put the cart before the horse in uh sort of laying out the parameters of how the season will be play, played out before putting anything out about the conditions and how they're going to address the virus. Mm-hmm. But when you see that pretty much, you know, within, within a week, they, they've got this 110 page, 113 page report uh, and they've got all these details. Clearly it was something that was, you know, first and foremost. Um, but the schedule was probably the easy part to figure out and how they're going to do those things. So that probably just yeah. came out first. So I, I do agree with that perspective. Um, so maybe the NBA deserves a bit of a pass there. Uh, and I think all the, all the extent that they've gone to to uh, ensure the player safety, uh, I think they are doing the best that can be done within, the, within sort of uh, the acknowledgement that they are going to play. Obviously, we know that the safest option is not to play at all. Mm-hmm. But uh, within the parameters of playing, I do think that they are doing uh, the best that they can. Would it be better if they weren't playing in Florida? Yeah, possibly. But um, again, we don't know. Uh, we, we definitely know that people in Florida are not behaving the same way that the <laughs> NBA players and whatnot will be behaving within the bubble, right? That's so, a good point. Yeah. Um, so those numbers will not be reflective. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I, I do trust uh, what they're trying to do a lot more. I, my biggest concern is still over uh, coaches, you know, that are over 60, uh, anyone that is within the bubble that is over 60 and more likely to contract the virus and not be asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing, you know, from what we're seeing with NBA players or other athletes, we've seen even in the tennis world uh, with people who have kind of disregarded it, like 
they're getting the virus, but they're showing absolutely no symptoms. And so they might just be so physically fit that it, it's really having no impact on them. My concern is over is for the people uh, that aren't, yeah. you know, these uh, incredible physical specimens. And so uh, that concern, I don't think will go away. Uh, and I think we're at the point now where as much as we complain, whatever we say, it, it's clear the only thing that's going to stop this uh, is if something serious happens. And none of us wants that to happen. So at this point, I think we're just better off hoping for the absolute best. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I am still extremely concerned, like you said, about the the people inside the bubble who are not the professional athletes with millions of dollars, like the, the Disney workers and whatnot, especially if they're still allowing them to come and go, which I don't think there's any, been any change on that policy, which... You know, that seems kind of dangerous considering what's going on around the Disney campus right now in Florida. Um, so that's one thing. You, I'm also extremely concerned about sort of the moral issues at play with playing this tournament while, you know, the, like the healthcare system in Florida is incredibly burdened. Are there going to, like, if a player, like, tears an ACL and needs, like, a quick surgery or something like that, I mean, how do you justify going to a public hospital? Because that's where they go. Like, this is how... It works. And so I'm really curious if they come up with any sort of, um, you know, stipulations when it comes to hospital use and stuff like that, you know, that they're using up all these tests every single day. And I know testing is not at the same shortage as it was early on in the pandemic, but still something doesn't sit quite right with me with testing all these players every single day while the state is just so overburdened. Um, so that mm -hmm. stuff really, you know, and this is stuff that uh, Dr. Binney, uh, Jordan Binney, who is quoted in a whole bunch of stuff, podcast, James Herbert's piece last week, is, uh, is sort of the most concerned about. And, you know, it's also the fact that, you know, we don't know what the disease does. I think there were some like reactions last week and it was like, oh, 16 of, of 302 players have tested positive. And it was like, oh, that's pretty good. We're like, no, that's not good at all. Like the league shut down when one guy tested positive. Like it's still yeah. no less serious than it was then. And that one guy, Rudy Gobert himself, said over the weekend that he's still not fully recovered from it. So, like, there's a lot of uncertainty with what this virus actually does and what the long-term, you know, implications might be for guys who get it, even if they are healthy. You know, we just have no idea. And, you know, I, I think I was rubbed the wrong way by Adam Silver's comments over the weekend. I think it was Friday night when the schedule came out, you know, talking about how, oh, sports are for healing. And this is what it's like. No, it's for yeah. fucking money, dude. Like, you don't have to lie to us. Like, <laughs> it's fine. You know, you, like, we get it, but don't lie to us. And then the other thing, too, that really the argument that's been really annoying me for the last week or so is people saying, oh, but players will be safer in the bubble than they are in the general public. That. Yeah, maybe that's true because you're forcing the players to be in this bubble and, you know, not live their regular lives. But maybe the players should be stop being stupid outside and just like be like regular people and, you know, be, be like isolate and not be dumb and go into parties with Novak Djokovic. I don't know. Um, you know, it's there's there's a lot to it. And the NBA saying like, oh, no, come to our bubble. We'll be the safest. It's like, no, that just that, that's disingenuous to me. Um, and like, you're going to have positive tests. It's going to take place and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Maybe you can, you're going to get top positive tests in general population as well, but not if you uh, stay inside and follow orders the way you should. And I guess this also requires 
governments to, uh, you know, stop opening things. But that's besides the point. And now I'm spiraling again. So whatever. Yeah, positive <laughs> thoughts. Ba- basketball, baby. The Raptors have games on the schedule. That's good and fun. And I'm, I'm glad to hear from Masai and Nick Nurse and all that, that the team is doing well down in Florida and feeling safe. I think they have another week until they can head to the Orlando bubble to get situated there. And we'll obviously keep you posted and all of that. Vivek, thank you for coming on today's show, buddy. Do you have anything you want to plug? Thanks for having me. Um, no, it's just regular stuff at complex. Uh, I think I have something coming up on the schedule, uh, and what it means for the Raptors should be up today. If not already, you can check that out. And other than that, you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob. Fantastic. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast along with uh, Basketball, my podcast with Katie Heindel that you can find over in the Stringer Labs podcast. Stringer Labs podcast. Now, I cannot speak today even just a little bit. It's very, very bad. Uh, I'm going to take a nap after this. But yeah, Stringer Labs is where you can find uh, Basketball. Um, and I'll have something written over the next week or so over at Raptors HQ. They're doing a Disney week uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, there's something I have cooking over there as it relates to that Disney week that they are doing next week. So keep an eye out and that will do it. We'll be back again on Tuesday. We're actually going to do an episode about the draft tomorrow with a first time guest that I'm going to uh, leave as a mystery because that's good podcasting right there uh so come back on tuesday for a fun mystery draft guest and then later in the week we're going to continue the series that my that katie and i started on friday i said my katie what is wrong with me today Uh, (laughs) 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 that katie and i uh started on friday where we're retiring every number in raptors history and uh, we'll go through numbers 11 through 20 on i think wednesday or thursday so keep an eye out there That's going to do for today's show. I'm going to go to sleep and uh, reset my brain, apparently. And we will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.